this podcast we will be learning about another valvular heart disease that is aortic regurgitation so aortic regurgitation is the incompetency of the aortic wall because of which there is backflow of blood from the aorta through the aortic wall into the left ventricle during diastolic phase okay so the aortic wall is leaky in short so there is a backflow of the blood from the aortic wall from the aorta to the left ventricle through the aortic wall now what are the etiologies of uh, aortic regurgitation why does it happen so it can be diseases it can be caused by diseases uh, of the aortic wall like endocarditis infective endocarditis rheumatic heart disease or syphilis or it can be due to disease of the aortic root for example marfan syndrome or any aortic dilatation like aortic aneurysm or dissection okay so now aortic regurgitation can now present as acute or chronic okay so uh, acute aortic regurgitation leads to sudden increased blood volume in the left ventricle during diastole so now the left ventricle does not have sufficient sufficient time to dilate in response to the sudden increase in volume this causes rapid increase in end diastolic pressure of the left ventricle and therefore there is increased in pulmonary venous pressure causing severe dyspnea and pulmonary edema sometimes it may lead to left ventricular failure also okay so this is about acute ar so uh, now in chronic ar now the left ventricle has got time to dilate and hypertrophy so to maintain the net cardiac output the total volume of blood pumped from the left ventricle into the aorta increases how does it increase by the left ventricular enlargement okay so what happens now is there is fall in the diastolic blood pressure along with this so as you know that the coronary perfusion that is the blood flow to the coronary artery it occurs in the diastolic phase so as a, as there is decrease in the diastolic blood pressure there is decrease in the coronary perfusion also so therefore myocardial ischemia occurs also what are the there are other reasons causing myocardial ischemia now due to increased left ventricular mass or the left ventricular ejection time also there is increased myocardial oxygen demand that is the heart needs more oxygen now when it is and due to the less for in the diastolic blood pressure there is less oxygen going to the heart also there is decreased oxygen supply due to decreased diastolic blood pressure okay so now let's uh, talk about the clinical features of ar so first we'll talk about the symptoms of acute uh, ar so as we said that um, in in such a short time when there is a suddenly increased blood flow into the left ventricle the left ventricle is not compliant to uh, dilate that much so the left ventricular pressure rises suddenly and the left atrial pressure also rises and the immediate symptom to occur is pulmonary edema and therefore there is dyspnea so there is a severe shortness of breath which is sudden onset in nature also there can be chest pain if the myocardial perfusion pressure is decreased or if there is an aortic dissection present also it can lead to heart failure or pulmonary edema and cardiogenic shock now uh, talking about the symptoms of chronic aortic regurgitation so they are uh, they remain the patient remains asymptomatic for 10 to 15 years as the heart as the left ventricle has now hypertrophied and is compliant with the increased regurgitant blood flow and is pumping the increased blood flow in, back into the system but 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 they but the symptoms develop until after 
the left ventricular failure occurs so see first the first symptom to develop will be palpitations because there is increased force of left ventricular contraction this is by the frank starling's law frank starling's law which says that if there is increased there is increase in the end diastolic volume of the left ventricle there is increased force of left ventricular contraction okay so other than that now see as the there is increased force of left ventricular contraction the cardiac output also increases eh? and the peripheral vascular resistance decreases as the pvr decreases the diastolic blood pressure also decreases and therefore the coronary perfusion to the heart vessel that is the coronary vessels also decreases also now what happens is in the night in the night there is the, the adrenergic drive decreases and therefore the vascular tone decreases further so the peripheral vascular tone decreases further and there is further decrease in the diastolic blood pressure causing an angina that is chest pain in the night known as nocturnal angina okay along with this there can be late symptom after the left ventricular failure the left atrial pressure rises and there can be dyspnea now let's talk about the signs of aortic uh, regurgitation so there are some peripheral signs of ar so the peripheral pulses are large in vol- large volume that is bounding pulses felt and there is the low diastolic blood pressure as we saw now there is an increase or wide pulse pressure so what is the pulse pressure pulse pressure is the difference between the systolic and diastolic blood pressure right so as the diastolic blood pressure de- decreases there is a wide pulse pressure okay so in ar there is a wide or increased pulse pressure that indicates that there is a hyperdynamic circulation a in ar okay now talking about the apex beat the apex beat uh, due to the left ventricular hypertrophy eccentric hypertrophy is displaced inferiorly and towards the axilla okay that is the inferiorly downwards and laterally uh, on auscultation the first heart sound the, uh, that is heard is soft and the a2 component of the second heart sound is soft in ar in rheumatic ar and, or, and uh, it is timbre like if it is due to syphilis in syphilitic aortic regurgitation okay also the second the p2 component of second heart sound is prominent due to soft a2 or absent a2 because the uh, aortic valve is regurgitated and it does not create it does not it creates a soft heart sound also the third heart sound s3 gallop the ventricular gallop is present if there is left ventricular failure okay uh, talking about the murmur there is an early diastolic murmur present which is high pitched and which is heard at loudest at the left sternal border and is of decrescendo type okay also uh, there is a murmur called cole sicil murmur cole c o l e sicil murmur and it is the term used for the diastolic murmur of the aortic regurgitation when it is heard in the left axilla okay now there are some signs in ar specific signs named signs which we should know which are the signs of wide pulse pressure so first is the lighthouse sign that means there is alternate flushing and blanching of forehead okay second is the quinquis sign which is the capillary pulsations in the lip or nail bed and these are detected by pressing a glass slide on the patient's lips or nail bed then there is watson's water hammer pulse or collapsing pulse which is the bounding and forcible increasing and subsequently collapsing pulse like bounding and then subsequently collapsing pulse okay 
then pulses bisphereens that is a double peak in a single systole there is a double peak in the single systole then there is an hill sign hill signs mean hill signs shows that there is the popliteal uh, systolic pressure when measured is exceed the brachial cuff pressure by 20 mm of hg okay okay so these were some signs now there is a specific murmur which is heard in severe aortic regurgitation which is called as austin flint murmur austin flint murmur is audible at the cardiac apex in severe aortic regurgitation and it is a low pitched mid diastolic murmur why is it caused now what happens is when the aortic regurgitation happens and the ar jet jet of blood flow comes into the left ventricle it sometimes in severe ar it hits or it meets the mitral inflow during the diastole so when the ar jet meets the mitral wall or the mitral jet then the austin flint murmur is heard okay all these auscultatory features of the aortic regurgitations uh, can be intensified by increasing the peripheral vascular resistance how can we do that we can do that by a strenuous and sustained hand grip if we tell the patient to make a sustained hand grip there is increased systemic vascular resistance due to which the aortic uh, regurgitating blood flow increases and all these murmurs are more prominent now there are some indicators which indicate the severity of aortic regurgitation so first is the duration of the murmur the early diastolic murmur if it extends more than 2/3 of the diastole then we call it as severe ar if there is an bisphereens pulse present if there is an s3 that is ventricular gallop present if there is an positive hills sign greater than 60 mm of hg if there is cardiomegaly present if there is austin flint murmur present if the a2 is soft and if there are marked peripheral signs which which i told earlier if all of some if all of this or some of these indicators are present which these indicates the severity of aortic regurgitation now coming to the what are the investigations to be done in clinic ar so first we can do a chest x ray what will the chest x ray show it shows cardiomegaly due to enlargement of the left ventricle in an inferior and left direction okay the ascending aorta can also get dilated uh also the left atria can sometimes uh, be seen enlarged due to if there is an left ventricular dysfunction uh then we'll do a ecg and the ecg will show the adaptive changes in the left ventricle due to volume overload now what are these changes we will see the left ventricular hypertrophy which can be assessed by tall r waves then left axis deviation then left atrial enlargement okay now coming to echocardiography we can do a echo 2d echo so uh, we'll see that the aortic wall structures and morphology can be seen there if there is we can note if there is presence of vegetation or nodules uh, then uh, for this we can also then uh, do te that is transesophageal echocardiography then we can uh, make the quantitative measurements of regurgitant volume fraction and orifice area if the regurgitant volume on echo is greater than 60 ml we call it an severe a severe ar and we can also assess the left ventricular structure and function other than this now uh, before Uh, prior to an aortic valve surgery we will have to look for the coronary anatomy of the patient so for this we could may, uh, do a coronary angiography then what are some other tests uh, we can do an vdrl and tpha 
for uh, if the syphilitic cause is suspected and we can do a RA factor ASR CRP to exclude the any connective tissue disorder as the etiology of the aortic regurgitation. Let us talk about the management plan of aortic regurgitation. So uh, first of all we can we should treat the underlying cause of aortic regurgitation like dissection or endocarditis or syphilis which has uh, which has to be treated whatever may, uh, the cause may be. Then we can we could give a rheumatic fever prophylaxis if needed if it is due to the rheumatic uh, for infective endocarditis it is not needed then for acute severe AR surgical intervention is needed but uh, it, uh, the patient will be medically supported with uh, dobutamine which is a cardiac cardiac stimulator to augment the cardiac output it, it, uh, it increases the cardiac output and shortens the diastole and we could also give sodium nitroprusside which increases the which raises a vasodilator, potent vasodilator and reduces the afterload in hypertensive patients. Now in chronic severe AR, the medical treatment has to be a vasodilator therapy because it will reduce the afterload in patients with systolic hypertension to reduce the left ventricular wall stress and optimize the left ventricular function. So we can do an administration of the sodium nitroprusside or hydralazine, nifedipine or felodipine. All of these reduces the peripheral vascular resistance and results in an immediate augmentation in the forward cardiac output and there will be an immediate reduction in the regurgitant volume. Okay, this will give a symptomatic treatment. So what are the indications for aortic valve surgery? First, if the patient is symptomatic with dyspnea, NYHA grade 3 symptoms or angina with chronic severe AR or if the patient is asymptomatic but he has a left ventricular ejection fraction less than 55 or if it is asymptomatic with left ventricular ejection fraction greater than 55 but with left ventricle dilatation greater than 77 70 mm okay so these are the indications for the aortic valve surgery so then we do a surgical treatment so uh, it requires a placement of the diseased wall with a prosthetic valve so uh, there are two types of walls which we can replace which are mechanical walls and the bioprosthetic walls okay now the mechanical walls are more durable but require a long-term anticoagulation therapy with warfarin. So there is an increased risk of due to increased risk of thrombosis. Okay. But uh, talking about the bioprosthetic walls, they carry a greater risk of long-term deterioration because there can be rapid calcification or degeneration of the wall and the risk of reoperation. But they do not need long-term warfarin because the risk of thrombosis is very less in this. Thus, they are preferred in the elderly. And when the because the, this is the time when the anticoagulants must be avoided, they are contraindicated in children and young adults. Okay, 